0: Hello and welcome to the Possibility Podcast with Sarah Knight. This is Session 7, Talking the Power of Connecting with Our Unseen World, with shamanic practitioner Michelle Giroux. Today I am sitting beautiful, sunny, blue, wintry skies outside in a gorgeous, cozy sitting room in front of a lovely log fire with Michelle Giroux. Michelle is a theater artist, a mom, and a shamanic practitioner, I asked her if she would be willing to talk to me and of course she said a wholehearted yes about some of her feelings on the energy of what it is that we are being invited to move into now um, as our environment is showing us a lot of places where we could really lean into transformation. Um, So thank you so much, Michelle, for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) So, can you tell me a little bit more about what you've been feeling and thinking?
1: Mm. Yes. um, I've really been thinking a lot in the last number of years about what this time is asking of us. um, So, you're related to your question and how we as individuals um, can start to reorganize, reorient, reimagine our lives and reimagine the way that we relate to not only our inner worlds, but our outer worlds in relationship to other people, in relationship to the work that we do, and to, um, of course, the greater the environment, the land, the earth, the elements. Um, And as a theater artist and shamanic practitioner, I think and have thought a lot about narratives and the stories uh, we tell. Um, Stories that we've inherited, uh, conscious or unconscious, Uh, especially through the bodies of our ancestral lines through our 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 lineage our ancestors Um, stories um, over so many hundreds of years that have perpetuated um, what I call or what in contemporary shamanic contexts are referred to as the lie of separation Um, the separation that in certain narratives um, that we believe in ideas of where we belong of who belongs where, how we're related to others, how or who is alive or valuable or worthy. Um, so, really, these narratives of, they're narratives that relate to intimacy and relationship and connection. These narratives, or I guess reimagining these stories as it relates to connection, are of interest to me in this particular time. Uh, this time of turning is showing us where we are disconnected from ourselves possibly, um, where we're disconnected from others, from our hearts, from our bodies, our feelings, how we may be disconnected uh, from the natural and living world, but especially imagining the roots of those things as they live inside of our imaginations, um, and how our imaginations and these stories and ideas that we hold and may not even know we hold affect the way that we operate and move through the world um, and what we assume about who we are and who others are and how we fit together uh, so that's a big piece. Narratives, uh, relationship, intimacy, and um, of course, responsibility in that relationship. What is this time asking of us? <clears throat> Excuse me, what is the land and the earth asking of us um, in this particular moment?
0: Wow. So I, I love where you started off there, looking at our internal environment and what's happening externally as a reflection of that. And when you talk then about stories and narratives. So the question that comes in next is these narratives are something that we get into our bodies from the external environment or are these narratives a part of our own stories of our upbringing or a combination of both?
1: Definitely upon reflection and study, uh, it's an experience of both that we are imprinted through the bodies of the knowledge in the cellular you know, DNA structure of um, the line that we've been born through, um, live inside of our structural cellular alignment, um, responses to what we're meant to be afraid of, um, sort of, um, and even just a narratives shared within families when I think about racist narratives, so especially um, stories that relate to power and belonging. Um, And then I think in the outer world, how they're reflected uh, in this culture often are supported um, by the patriarchy, you know, in terms of what power is, who has it, who deserves it, who doesn't. Um, So all of these sort of structures that mirror back to us, these outer world structures, institutions that we live amongst and within mirror back to us. A sense of who we are and where we belong and how we're meant to relate to each other and even ourselves as it when we imagine our hearts when we imagine our desire our feeling our impulses um, it really dictates and structures and tightens this sort of I imagine like um, a skeleton made up of ideas and stories that build like a building mm-hmm. that it dominates or organizes our thoughts and our minds and even the way our bodies move and then of course the way we move about our cities or the places the land in which we live it's it is a shared thing these sort of inner and outer narratives they reflect and reinforce each other
0: and I mean, as you're talking, it what it feels like is that these these stories that we take in form these structures and ways of being in the world that ultimately come in between every every action, every experience, every choice, every interaction, every conversation, from what really wants to come through us—a place of our own authentic experience—and. What is allowed, what's not allowed, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, the guilt, the, as you said, the, the lie of
1: separation.
0: Tell me a bit more about what you mean about the lie of separation.
1: Imagining a dynamic, an idea that inside of me, for example, I grow up imagining that I am this whole individual, that I am physically separate from um, other people, that I belong in certain spaces because I look like certain people or I sort of fit. I'm I'm allowed or I'm I'm acknowledged or reinforced, my belonging's reinforced. Um, So belonging and separation are sort of the thing that can be a binary that play one into the other. Um, If there is a, a narrative or a general story that separates us. And that when we live together, this is what a family is, this is where they live and how they live and quite apart from, in a house that's apart from others. People are responsible for themselves, this idea of responsibility that also reinforces this idea that we are separate from um, the sur- survivalist story, that we have to work hard and we have to really keep to our own because it's hard and if we don't, it'll fall apart, this sort of tribal ideas around survival. that can be reinforced to help us imagine that we are separate from, well, I think about the land, uh, and quote unquote, the other. So other people, other groups who just have, have different practices, who have different skin color, who have different belief systems, these strict borders and lines that keep us separate, not even with the curiosity of um, how we are in this sort of beautiful multicolored weave as beings, uh, how the land imagining a land as a more than human person, as another being that we're intimately related to because of this sort of beautiful interactive exchange of being nourished by food and being made to live forward and create in our lives by the food we receive, that if the land is a sort of a non-entity that's there for us to just pick up from and feed. So if we're separate from the land, what does that mean about how we treat the land? If we're separate from um, the elements of the other animals if we're alive and they're not, um, if there's a hierarchy around you know who is more important or special as it relates to the land or animals versus humans or light-skinned people to people who are colored skin, um, but again, these lives of separation don't help any of us and have actually woven us into this space of a bit of a conundrum of um, how we relate how we imagine our relationship is to one another, what we need, from one another, um, the vulnerability of needing each other and being interrelated and interdependent? What if we imagine that possibility that we're actually deeply um, related and needing of each other and our special gifts that we have to share, all of us? And what if the land is also um, a person and not more than human person in that relationship and conversation that the land needs us as much as we need her? If this time is asking something of us, really, it's imagining how we're related in a new way. <laughs>
0: There's so much richness in, um, in what you just shared. You know, in this, I love the way you express that belonging is really just another face of separation. Because it implies if you belong to something, that means that you don't belong to other things. And I mean, where you wove all that to is the the separation that exists through all these stories that that are that are told to us, and that ultimately at the end of the day, we're right, we're separated right from the core. As soon as we take those stories in, we're separated from our own experience of the moment. And that these separations go right through what you're saying, right? Not only to, to how you relate to an individual, how you relate to your community, how you relate to the land, um, how you relate to the world, how you relate to your place in the world. And this concept of seeing the earth as a being um, and as something that is alive and that we are related to and are connected to is something that would be quite foreign to a lot of people. Because certainly one of the lies of separation that we are told is that this is our playground. We get to everything, this earth, and everything on it is ours for the taking. We get to use it in whatever way we want to use it. And the ultimate twist of that is evident in how we treat the the, the, the animals that we that we raise to eat. In most circumstances, there's now a lot of conscious farming practices happening, but in factory farming, that we could actually impose that level of trauma on other living beings and then take it one step and ingest the trauma and not even notice any of the steps along the way where there is something so fundamentally twisted in that. So, you know, what you are presenting is that if there's an opportunity here, it's in the retelling of the whole story, our whole view of the world, it sounds like. What is your image of what's possible and of what your world looks like from that place of connection and of ultimately a belonging to the whole system?
1: Well, part of that imagining, I guess, isn't for me in my practice, my spiritual practice and my study, is being aware of and available to the realities beyond our physical reality. Uh, aware of our multidimensional selves. There's a physical wisdom body that is obvious. We value our eyes, what we can see and touch. Here it is um, our physical relationships, the physical items in our world, the animals, the plants, the land. And then imagining something wider imagining the invisible realms what is that the invisible worlds our energetic psychic wisdom body our emotional wisdom body um and the mental wisdom body how these dimensions inside of me as a really dynamic entity um work together weave and play together speak to each other if i imagine this as an idea then relationships change too to what i can't see um, and how i'm related to everything that i can't see with my outer eyes and doesn't necessarily make manifest in this physical reality. So I imagine relationships beyond this physical reality with ancestral helping spirits, with the lineage that is mine, a long line of ancestors who dreamed me into being, who imagine the possibility of this time and what this time might mean spiritually or physically or energetically. Um, So imagining this piece of something beyond the physical world feels important to me as I imagine recreating again, Relationships uh, and re- weaving the idea of what who I am and how I'm related to this reality that is multidimensional that I'm inhabiting and how do I live in both worlds? How do I operate fully physically in this physical reality while being sensitive and available to the invisible realms as they make sense to me? The energetic, the emotional, the psychic or the spiritual. So this sort of duality, not beyond duality, multidimensionality, this sort of intergenerational observance of healing, of trauma, of integration, of release, um, I reimagine what my work is here as a person, just as a person, a feeling, breathing, dreaming person. And with that piece, I also um, think a lot about, okay, power. So, as a person in the world who grew up uh, queer identified, uh, closeted in a rural location, um, a poverty class, um, kind of escaping the homeland to remove myself from challenging early life experiences and recreating, moving about my life, identity, place, belonging, home, power have been themes that I've always felt challenged by. And I've always wondered how can I? if I am in a moment of poverty, if I am in a moment of being apart from intimate relation, physical relationship, family, where do I source my sense of empowerment and activity? Where can I begin to reimagine my life? Where can I begin to relate to the outer world in a meaningful way when the old structures and the old forms have fallen apart and no longer serve? Um, So in in those moments of personal challenge or of upheaval or when I imagine the outer world the an environment burning and flooding. I've been in moments where my inner life was burning and flooding and everything was reoriented and disoriented. I always honed into the idea that if I were to work with my internal world, start with my feeling, my body, house, feeling, my inner landscape of thought, if I could reorient myself around how I work with power inside of myself and begin there. I imagine as within, so without. So that's a contemporary shamanic teaching, how when we begin, or Gandhi, be the change, what I am interpret that language to mean is, I can begin, as disempowered as I might feel in my outer world, I can begin by observing my thoughts, by noticing how I feel, by moving with more courage and alignment about how I'm feeling, by letting that inner feeling come out on my voice, by taking those risks, by how do I maybe abuse or misuse or abandon my power within myself, in my inner dialogue, in my relationships. If I can begin to look at those power structures, how I've internalized certain colonial sort of patriarchal power systems within to give it a sort of language, then I can begin to mindfully recreate and move out into the world in a different way. My relationships will change. They have changed with other people starting close, family, friends. And if I can navigate these small spaces, those relationships and those people are changed as well. We're all given permission to live more fully empowered and more aware of our own relationship to power. And then we go out into our organizations and do our activist work, into our day-to-day work. And we start to, again, navigate how we move through the world from within to without in really practical, creative, dynamic, active ways. Um, So when I think about power and my internal relationship with that inside, if I can tend to that, while imagining that I am related, even in moments where I felt really disconnected, uh, alone, imagining the invisible world has given me a great sense of connection and given me a great sense of possibility and meaning and power um, that I could come through, resilience even. Um, so again, I think about ideas and stories. It's just a little seed inside of my imagination. But if I'm when I imagine a world that is transformed or transmuted, I imagine intimacy as it relates to other people and relationship and community, but to the land and the living world. I imagine a different kind of conversation about leadership and power, um, what that means and how do we begin to activate it, all of these things Uh, I feel are a part of the new world. And also in imagining and being related to the invisible reality, as in the language and way that it it makes sense to each person. It need not be religious, it need not be named as spiritual, it need not be named. Yet, um, that's a big source. I feel like that's a missing link in our cultural experience is the invisible, our relationship to that which is more than human, or the invisible reality or energetic. or Again, the language, it doesn't actually really matter um, as long as it make sense to a person, but we're all alive and inhabiting this animated life in a physical fleshy body. But we've become
0: so physically focused. Our whole world is about what we do and don't manifest in our physical world. If you happen to be in a place of poverty and where your physical world is not one of empowering a ton of physical change, it can be very, well, what am I doing here? How can I do anything? And I hear that so often, you know, people with in regards to our the global challenge at the moment in regards to so many aspects of the environment, climate change is just one of them, but people say, this is too big, and this isn't up to me, and this is up to those corporations, and this is up to those politicians, and it's an incredibly disempowering place to hold, and a total misuse of our internal power, as you said. And so this, what I love about what you've just shared about the invisible realm is that we can imagine it you know, then our every action, our every interaction could have effects far beyond, do have effects far beyond what we can actually see in our physical moment. And that's an incredibly empowering thing to consider. Is that, have I got that right, what
1: you've been saying there? Mm-hmm. If our values change, of what we believe is important, and we just won't allow, we won't allow greater institutions, structures, uh, capitalists, corporate uh, interests, we won't, We will collectively gather in different ways. We will make different choices around our living, especially when I think about children, their innate, natural, born way of existing in both worlds, and their relationship to the invisible realm that we, in our culture, often um, dismiss as imaginary, as something they'll grow out of, as something we entertain when they're very young but start to, to sort of diminish or usher them away from as they come into school age. They're socialized in school. Generally it depends, but it's imagination sort of has a little window. Creativity has a sort of, it fits in a certain block. When I think about public education, it fits in this sort of, we draw pictures, we tell stories, yet as they grow older they're expected to sort of leave it behind, forget it. It's the it's not valuable. And if we imagine I think of especially becoming a parent. I imagine and remember my own early life and how alive and related I felt to the land and the natural world and how in a lot of early life uh, trauma that was my solace it gave me this beautiful sense of relation being related to um, and the feeling of being inhabiting those between the worlds sort of invisible reality that lived in the natural world which um really began my shamanic interest i didn't have a language for it but that can the interest in an earth-based spiritual practice or life where it just draws through we're, we're walking through a doorway that's really practical and inhabited in a physical reality yet it is really imaginative and it really does relate to our hearts how we move about the natural world how as children they find doorways beyond just an idea in the imagination but in deep feeling in dreams as a mother i see that and foster it in my children this beautiful dream, it's like they can inhabit this physical world with compassion, and kindness, and helping out with chores, and learning their letters, yet they have yet to become broken or apart from their internal reality, their sense of um, space beyond the, what the outside eye can perceive, and it's perfectly natural to them. <clears throat> so as a mum, and as a human, as an artist i'm so protective and encouraging of that and what i really think does fortify that is time in the natural world is and food i think about food it's so i guess um what's the word not taken for granted maybe taken for granted yet imagine the seed and what it contains inside of itself this tiny thing and yes it's practical and also quite Magical. And that, that in one seed, a tree can grow and bear billions of other seeds and fruit and food that we literally can consume and be made alive with the vibrational life and medicine of that food, the medicine of the food. That is a consciousness in a tiny bit. We, it's normal. We, we see it, so it's normalized, yet it's quite phenomenal. And I imagine when I think about practical ways that people can possibly relate to the invisible realms through a physical, really practical reality, is um, gardens food in particular, because we do receive, or flowers that are edible, or um, this vision for a new way of imagining ourselves and in the world, especially in the physical, and where the physical and the invisible worlds bridge and meet, um, and how we're basically a bridge between the two as people. As people, we literally can weave these urgencies and longings and um, uh, beingsness and it does we our heart literally is the center of this fork you know in our bodies and in the upper worlds or invisible worlds and the lower worlds of the physical reality it really is when I imagine the wheel or the medicine wheel or across the these sorts of wheels they we literally in our organ of our heart lives at the juncture at the center of all these realities and wisdom bodies and if we can renew a possibility of feeling and dreaming a joyfulness of love uh, in our relationships with each other in the land, in parenting, in the value of what we imagining, what actually is important and let it in. That vulnerability, that doorway, that... I think that's more disarming than, you know, I think that actually sometimes is more unnerving for people when a person can really courageously come forward as we were chatting about earlier before this recorded conversation the the courage to to not be afraid of oneself um in all of one's dimensions really does come out of a heartful place that is quite can be energizing and also a little destabilizing um so isn't that what we want to do shake things up totally
0: really what i'm feeling from you now is the the possibility of of letting this feminine flow through every single one of us the way it wants to flow through which is through the heart so often through women's hearts through men's hearts through all of our through all of our hearts and what is required there but the willingness to expose it and I mean, ultimately, that's another piece of this lie of separation, that exposing oneself in that place is shameful, risky, wrong, too much. We were talking about this earlier, you know, the too muchness of someone that allows that to come through that that. Whether it's love, whether it's whatever it is that's happening in the moment, can you speak to that a little bit more, the, the feminine and the way that she wants to come through now, the possibility of that, of a reimagining of how we hold the feminine in this new landscape of
1: our lives? Well, as a yoga instructor um, with a passion for the yin yoga practice, the yin energy or essence uh, resonates and relates to the earth energy, the feminine energy, the and the, again um, a, a way that that energy sort of inhabits or incarnates or expresses itself, which um, not necessarily again not it doesn't always live in a duality, but with and the sort of masculine. Um, more, I guess, assumed masculine essences, which is sort of strength, this power, sometimes rigidity, this embodiedness, the value of action, the value of sort of making manifest one, two, three, step one, two, three, A to B to C, this sort of, this excavation, I think about a mining, I think about a hunting, the big game, the sort of the action reaction, and then the yin, the feminine, this sort of other essence that values, and makes manifest through the deeper, darker, like under the earth, the seed in the winter that is alive under the frozen ground in the dark, the dreams, the dreaming, the deep feeling, again, the invisible realms, right? these things that exist beyond this physical outer reality, that the psychic realms, the spiritual realms, the the communication uh, that exists beyond the physical words, beyond um, the brain functioning and sort of the mental uh, wisdom body. We get into these deeper other, uh, there's a lovely, lovely talk, I wish I could remember this beautiful woman's name who gave a beautiful talk. Um, her quotation, the quotation is, she said, what if this darkness isn't a darkness of the tomb? It's a darkness of the womb. And that we are in a moment, and she was speaking sort of US political, social justice themes. What if this is a rebirthing? What if this end time that's been prophesied? What if this obvious breaking down, uh, shaking sort of disruption of the systems that are old and not super, haven't been super useful, really, have not actually really benefited us all and or the land? What if it's this shaking down of diving deep and drawing into and being embraced by the medicine, the power of the depth, the unknowns even, the mystery. Um, I think when I think about women's mysteries being feared, ashamed, dominated, broken down, controlled, othered, um, the power is in that, uh, especially in a woman's body as the womb and the seeds literally carried in there, yet in the femininity that exists in all of us as human beings, with hearts that beat, with the blood that flows, with with, with kinesthetic senses and fibers in our skin, um, with dreams. So imagining that w- the possibility of, of supporting, investing in, valuing everything of the feminine, of the yin, um, the dreaming and the, the life of children, that's a yin element That is, they're born with, that is thriving. And of course, their beautiful virility in body, which is a yang, or often you know that strength, that's sort of, and not androgyny, but this sort of when they're babies and they're small, this sort of robust beauty in their bodies, you know, that little tummy and the thick little chubby legs, and and this um, resiliency, being able to tumble and kind of rubber back, and um, a flexibility, yet also the solidity. Like I imagine these young little bodies as inhabiting all of that, this sort of masculine feminine um wholeness of self the spiritual the physical the emotional there's no nothing is separate and then basically we sort of teach them to divide it all out we teach them how to identify and where they fit and and they sort of parcels people out and these people fit over here and boys go in that lineup and they wear these things and they play with these toys and I mean and it still exists you know and um and these are the jobs or things that girls will do, or of course, these they'll like to do these things because they're girls. And so all of that relates to like all of this stuff, all of our social isms of this time that are flaring really do fall under this canopy of the environmental moment and relationship and the lie of separation, and not just in physical reality with each other, the land, but um, the lie of separation from the invisible worlds and our dreaming, even if it's a language of dreaming or the mysteries uh, that occur within us in sleep, like the mysteries that are unanswered, even if the language for a person doesn't even move beyond, it's of that essence. Um, and it is a mystery of the heart uh, that can't quite be, or the spirit, right, beyond the religious. that What is that essential peace, that spirit, that humanity that does live through and out of our eyes? Um, that is felt in the heart, when people come together after disaster, environmental disaster, when they care for each other, the impulse to want to save and support and free from the water. um, It's like when it comes down to it, you know, we, what is most meaningful? And how do we relate and what can come out of us, when we're not uh, saddled up by, yeah, these sorts of I think, yeah, these frameworks, these skeletons that just live inside of our imaginations and crowd everything else out it's um we really do i do really think the imaginaries the radical reimaginings of who we are and uh, what this time is about and what's being asked of us and what intimacy is between us and these things that we've imagined to be just things or inert innate non-human entities it really is about the possibility of what we can reimagine as true
0: michelle thank you uh again another conversation with you that has profoundly affected me the way you speak to these things is completely unique your ability to put words on very complicated feelings this beautiful process of reimagining and simply turning the gaze back inside and saying okay what is what am I feeling what are what are the lies that I'm that I'm living in my body What are the lonelinesses that I'm living in my body? Where do I hold myself separate from myself and people around me and my environment? And how can I bring myself in a new way into this world through not just my physical reality, but through this other reality, the invisible one, and how much of an impact can I have there? And that's so important and so valuable and something that I'm so grateful that you put words on for me today and for anyone who chooses to to listen. Thank you so much, Michelle. And thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, your outside world really is a reflection of your inside world. As within, so without.